This is Comet Picks by the Glick. And I'm your host, Jason Glick. How you doing, Jason Glick? I'm doing just fine, John. And yourself? I'm doing good. And uh, we have somebody else in the studio with us. That's why our audio recording kind of sounds a little strange, but... Uh, it's my fault. Yeah, it's your fault. No big deal, though. We got I all guess we should blame it all on Myron this time. <laughs> yes. Yes, we will. <laughs> and uh, 40 lashings. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm used to it. <laughs> He's all, I, I want to send the government. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm used to it. So, um, How you doing today, Jason? I'm doing, I'm doing good, Myron. It's like it's good, nice day off right now. Yeah, I, lo- I love these times. I love these times. And I'm off tomorrow, too, so that means plenty of Mordor and sleeping in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good, good times right there. There you go. What do you have on the plate for everyone tonight, sir? Okay, well, my, so my thoughts on the uh, final volume of Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips' Fatal, it's like as well as the, the series as a whole, because um, as I've I've talked about um, while on the blog for a while on the blog, um, uh, these guys, it's like these guys, um, they're not um, you know can they can do no wrong, but they're pretty darn about as close as you can get for this for the industry right now. I mean, they've they've been working together for years on various projects. And um, they produced some some of my favorite comics of the last take the last couple of years. Um, their um, superhero, their undercover superhero noir title, um, Sleeper, is one of my all time favorites. Their straight up crime fiction tale um, series, uh, um, Criminals, also you know great it's a great um, series of character studies and um, looking to um, like all like the nasty stuff you find in the in the criminal underworld. And um, Incognito was a great um, reverse take on Sleeper, talking about a uh, criminal in the witness protection program who um, f- tr- is trying to figure out what he wants, what he wants to do with his life. Still waiting for for the uh, next for find out what happens next there because when you just can't leave the guy in prison, because I mean, what's get, with um, all the guys he helped put away? Because like, I just I mean, just gotta know what happens next. But as far as I've as far as I've heard, um, Brubaker is still waiting for a story to come to him for that. So, okay. But in the meantime, though, that means um, they're going to um, keep giving us um, other, like other stories um, through image for reason for the foreseeable future. Cause apparently they've signed a um, five year, um, five year, con- exclusive five year, five year contract with the uh, publisher. Now that's, that's great. And I say more power to them, but as far as fatal goes, um, this is their, their latest series that I've been talking about for a while now. It as it's basically the um least it's it's easily the least of the projects that I've read read from them. I mean, not that not that it's a bad series, but it just doesn't um hit, hit you with that sense of new or like um the fact that it's like doing something really different or really interesting. I mean, I mean some of the the, appeal, the um thrust of the series it's about this um this woman named Joe who um, hooks up with who um who apparently has, has the power of any good femme fatale to make, make men do her bidding, whether they want to or not. Thing is, though, this, um, this ability um, isn't just you know, a form of social manipulation. It's a product of, um, of um, strange, eldritch, demonic powers from like, beyond our mortal ken. It's very Lovecraftian. That's, the series um, does seem to creep, he- creep heavily from his, say, from his approach. But... Um, it's like, and we follow, it follows her through the years as she um, tries to get free from the uh, like from the um, pe- from the cult that's just been pursuing her. Wants to use her as a sacrifice to get in touch with their it's like with their old god their old gods again. Now, the series is also told um, from the modern day perspective um, through like through through Josephine or 
that's what that's her name's short for. And um, say so yeah, Nicholas Lash, a uh, it's like a guy who's the um, the grandson of one of her of one of her old flames. And um, he, and after she she encounters him at, her, at his grandfather's fun- at his grandfather's funeral, his life just comes completely unraveled. It's like as um, as he loses loses his leg in a it's like in a hel- in a in an air- airplane explosion, um, winds up going going on the run after being accused for murder. Winds up being imprisoned, bro- being broken out by a crazy man, and um, no, then you almost uses a sacrifice to get um, get Joe's attention. So. So yeah, there's lots of interesting things going on there, and but the series is it's it's still um, a, a some of some pretty familiar parts. I mean, the uh, first volume set, set in the 19, in the uh, 1950s, and it's a straight up straight up noir tale as says as Joe um tries say tries to get free from her from her current see from her current lover, and um winds up using um Nick's um, grand, um grandfather to help see to help with that. It's an interesting tale of um, betray- say betrayal and supernatural supernatural action. That you know, it's not bad, but um, at the same time, though, I I just I read the first volume and I just did not see what everyone was going crazy for in terms of you know like this like how interesting it was a beautiful beautiful mix of horror and noir. Now to digress for a bit, I want to say that um, making horror work for me in comics has always been a tricky pr- um, pr- proposition. A lot of comics that have been billed as as horror. I mean, I can see how some of this stuff would scare me as a kid, but these days a lot of stuff just does not seem very scary on the page. And while there are a few creepy panels, because you know Sean Phillips do, um, does creepy um, extraordinarily well, um, you don't get that unnerving um, feeling that, that something is wrong, that that you know that there's that, that something is not right with the world um, that you get with horror that you get with from reading Fatal. I mean, it all, it all seems pretty conventional with its, you know, pictures of demon, like of demons in the, in the, uh, it's like in demons in the in the daylight at certain times, and um, also, see, and just you know, in uh, and all weird supernatural murders and stuff like that. It's, it it's, it it just doesn't, um, it's it's not it's not very unsettling, but um, even if even if it does look great because um, Phillips, um, he. His work just um, it's beautiful in terms of, just of um, character expression and just making and striking the right tone for the series as well. I mean, it's like it's like he and Brubaker, um, like they're they're t- completely on the same page in all of their work, and it's see, and it's always cool to see just just um, what you know just what he's going to have the characters do on it's like any in any setting, and he's also great with each time period as well from. The, from the fifties to the seventies to the Seattle of the nineties and seconds and so on. So, and he also, and, um, also, um, Phillips also gets a stretch in the, uh, in the final volume with some really crazy psychedelic scenes as, um, as Nick, as Nick's lovemaking with, um, with Joe, um, takes on some really on um, psychedelic, um, um, for, um, twists. So that's, so I mean, that's, that's cool to see in the final, it's like in the final volume, like the, the artistic stretching he does there. But um, for other series, um, let's see, uh, I don't know. It's like there's, so I'm trying to remember like some other good. Let's see, um, some other series that scared me. There was this one Dark Horse um, series called The Lords of Misrule that had some art, black and white art from Peter Snedgeberg that um, that really freaked me out in its early portions. And I also remember, um, let's see, um, 
uh, God damn it. Who's the, uh, who's the artist for a male? Cause, oh, Hosui Yamazaki. Um, he's, he also he does the art for the Kurosaki Corpse Delivery Service, but it's his work in mail that really nailed the unsettling, like, you know, this is the normal world, but there's something in here that just doesn't fit in his art. And that 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 series creeped me the fuck out when I was reading it. So I'm gonna go probably into this October, I might as well just go and give give it a give it a reread, you know, in the spirit of the season. But you know, like I said, there's no see, there's no real um sense of horror from like from Fatal here, I mean, all the um, violence, you know, was expertly rendered as is. I mean, I've seen this kind of, this kind of like, you know, these stabbings and slicings and um, heads bashing in um, before. So there's nothing, not a whole lot new. It's like there, but I guess another, uh, another thing that really bugged me about the series is that the, uh, the demons to chase, chase after Joe, they're, they're really generic. I mean, it's like the, all the uh, the myth the mythology here just seems to be cr- it's kept very vague and nondescript and just kind of feels like something that you know hey like Ed, something that um, he, Ed Brubaker has read um, Lovecraft a couple times and said hey you know these kinds of these kinds of demons seem like they'd work it's like they'd work here and that it's not just gonna just gonna go with like these like unnameable unna- horrors with um, tentacles on their heads okay but. There isn't, like I said, there's no real, there's no real weight or specificity to their to their causes, since they just wind up coming off as pretty generic. Yeah, the, the main their main leader gets their eyes eyes stolen and spends most of the series blind and subsequently burned very badly. But at the same time, though, I mean, they just feel they feel like really generic bad guys, and that's. And that's something that that um, Phillips and Brubaker just haven't had a lot of in their series so far. I mean, you can go back go back to Tao and Sleeper, and goddamn, he was a great villain who you who you hated for what he was doing to Holden Carver. But at the same time, he was just you know, he he had his own set of rules, and he was just like you know, really fun, really fun guy to hang around with otherwise. And then and you've got all then you got the um, like the various master, masterminds and low lives from. From criminal who, you know, it's really can't say that there's, you know, there are all sorts of, um, you know, bad guys and criminal. But um, then you've also got the, uh, but even then the, um, the, the villains in um, Cognito, even if they were kind of like, you know riffs on old, it's like old superhero tropes. They still had, they still at least had that that kind of colorfulness to fall back on. Here though, all the it's like all the evil demonic stuff just feels really generic. And um, not very compelling as a result. So, getting on. So, in the first four volumes, like I said, I don't. I definitely don't regret, um, you know, buying these, to be sure. But and also rereading them. Like it's, it's fun to see like the you know, little things um come come together, and um, see and just you know just that um there, that Brubaker was clearly planning. Kind of a long game here, even though most of the stories here do kind of like read are are very self-contained, either in like the either in the th- uh, three proper stories from volumes one, one, two, and four, and also the um and the one shots contained in in book three. So so at, so I mean like they all they all read just fine, and there's some some benefit to be gleaned from reading them front front to back after 
after a certain point. But um, as far as the uh, final volume, final volume um, doesn't really um, elevate or or deflate things to any say to any noticeable degree. Basically, starts off with um, see with with Joe tracking down um, the guy who's kidnapped um, Nick Nicholas because apparently she needs him for see for his own see for for her own purposes. And there's and I will say that we do get one of the series um, creepier moments when she's accosted by one of the the cultists who's been chasing her, and he brought her kid. He brought his kid with him, and the kid, um, it's like nine or like eight or nine years old. He's hiding out in the back seat, and as soon as, she, and um, he just responds to, like Joe's um, magnetism, just saying "pretty lady," and it's like, dude, and she just grabs and just tosses him right. It's like right in the road before speeding off, and just and this eight nine year old saying, "Don't go, don't leave me," and it's like. And then she's, and then the, the uh, caption saying like she wish she wish she um she could um bring bring his dad back just to kill him all over again for something like this, so uh, so I so I like that. There's still there's um, and also I like the uh, see the librarian like the librarian character who is immune to Joan to Joe's charms for reasons which we found out back in volume three, and um most of, but most of the volume is her just you know dragging um. Leading Nick around by the nose as she um, see as she works to get her master plan plan in order to um, finally end this um, chase between her and the and the like and the demonic cult and its leader. We do actually get some background into the um, leader himself, which I guess. But at the same time, though, it's like it doesn't really make him feel like more of a person. I mean, he's just more of like a an idea, a like someone who. Um, like he's had like certain stuff happen to him, and he and now he's this way. It's I appreciate the background, but at the same time, it doesn't really doesn't really do a whole heck of a lot to um, diminish my concern, like my main criticism for this series. Um, like I said, there's some, there's still some great um, art from Phillips, and um, especially like I said, especially when he starts um, when things start getting um, psychedelic in the um, next to the last issue. And we also learn um, the greatest tragedy in Joe's life, and what's and how it motivates her to do what she's doing now. I mean, the uh, and then you get to the uh, the climax, which, well, I don't know. Like I said, everything plays out in a fair, fairly straightforward manner, um, but um, there aren't any real any, any real surprises in it's like in the end. Well, maybe there is when you find out just what's happened to Joe. Which you know, I think it's nice, but eh, in the end, it's like a lot like the rest of the series. It's like it's it's competent, it's, it's ex- execution solid, but it's but there's not really a sense of awe or or like or surprise, you know, showing me something that I haven't seen before. So yeah, it's fatal. It's overall, it's um, it's like it's perfect, perfectly readable, um, it's entertaining, and it's. And it represents work from guys who clearly know their craft very well. Um, it doesn't really offer anything that uh, I haven't really seen a whole that I haven't I haven't seen before. But um, eh, I don't know. There, there, I guess there are worse worse ways I could have spent all all the money on these five volumes so far. But it's all and it's also worth noting that um, Phillips and Brubaker um, have a new series um, coming out. Um, being serialized right now called The Fade Out, which after years of um, doing stories that um, have a heavy noir influence, looks like they're finally getting the chance to do a series that um, is actually um, 
um, set in the heyday of noir, the um, 50s, as um, it's about a um, really troubled movie production and all the uh, crazy shit that's going going down at, in at the time. I'm saying I'm kind of interested in seeing what what they do with that here because you know after tr- after um, tr- trying to find ways to write like to get at you know like you know like this like this particular type of story that had its heyday back you know almost over half a century ago now they're actually do, having a chance to do it so i'm i'm interested to seeing seeing what they do with that hopefully the results will be more surprising than what we got with fatal so john myron it's like after all this rambling i've been doing from my end um any thoughts on things from yours now i was uh i read briefly about uh them touching on Joe's um, ancestors, like how big of a part did they have to play, like in, in the overall story, like leading up to her character and her and her drive of what she's trying to do. Because I mean, I read uh, something like it, there was a uh, an ancestor from the Wild West period, and you know, um, how, how does that work out? Yeah, it's like the uh, that's yeah, those are the stories from West of Hell, Volume Three. And um, they, I think they, they just exist mainly to show that um, this is this has all been going on for um, a very long time, and like it's that this that what's happening to her isn't new, but um, this but this at, this at the same time though this is going to be the time when um, things when things change that she's going to be the one to break the cycle, and um, it's like as opposed to you know what these other people were what her what her previous incarnations were doing like with it, with their lives. Yeah, I was, yeah. Looking at the, I was looking at the artwork and like, yeah, the I love I love the covers and the way they're colored and designed and they're very like, you know, they're very uh, like you said the term noir like very dark and gritty. So I mean, the artwork looks great. Uh, who who is I've seen I've seen uh, pictures of this this Cthulhu demon looking character. Who who is that? Uh, that's he's basically when I talk about like the like the cult. Um, that's chasing Joe. Um, he uh, he's basically their leader. Um, he's he's referred to as as uh, several, several names. The the one seems to stick in the series is, is that he's known as the bishop. Okay. Yeah, from his <laughs> yeah. It's like I guess for the five, for the four or five people who may get the reference, no, he's not Terry Jones. He's just called the bishop. <laughs> yeah, I I see the Lovecraftian influence by that that character's design, like. The moment I saw it, I was like, "Oh, this is very uh, Cthulhu-like." Indeed. So yeah, it's like it's 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 kind of designed to basically that basically says, "Yeah, hey, he, we're we're drawing inspiration from a very specific source here." I see. Oh, cool. Well, <sighs> uh, no comments from me this time, sir. Um, outside of uh, it, certainly sounds like uh, interesting thing to look into. You know. There are there are worse things you could send your money on, but there are better ones, especially from Brubaker and Phillips. Put this put this one at the end of your list after after you've gone back and re- gone and read Sleeper, Criminal, and I'm um, Incognito. Understood. Do you know what we'll have on tap next week? Well, unless something um, really surprising pops up, I'm actually going to be talking about some some film adaptations in comic book form, including um, let's see the recent. Like uh, like the recent um, Noah film from Darren Aronofsky, and something that may be of interest to you, John, because you know there's a uh, that there's actually been a comic book adaptation of um, 
of Quentin Tarantino's Django Unchained? No, really? Huh. Yes, it's actually an adaptation of his of his first of, the, of his first draft of the script. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah, so this is basically what he all that he wanted to do, but what, but couldn't get, but couldn't wasn't able to fit, fit in the film. There's a lot. There's a couple things in here that that um, do stand out as saying, hey, you know, like I didn't see this from the movie. But at the same time, though, it also kind of shows you that you know it's probably for the best that he actually was able to ha- had that he did have to go back and cut things down for the um, final release. Yeah, I'd imagine that his uh, you know his drafts are probably. A lot wilder and initially than you know what winds up going up on the screen. So it's not hard to imagine at all with Tarantino at all. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean that that movie came out violent as it was. Man. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. but like to imagine like there's actually more behind the scenes now. That's kind of fascinating to me. So. Yeah, and also probably say a couple more things about how, um, but how bad the um, the Star Wars adaptation from from Dark Horse was as well cuz I mean there's one one thing that holds true about about a lot of about a lot of um first drafts so is that the first draft of anything is usually pretty terrible and um well I'll this is all this is all stuff for next time all right and we'll catch you next time on comic picks by the Glade. all right later all right.